Welcome back to Fresh Manna with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Parr, and I am so glad to be back with my brothers and sisters in Christ today and all the new people who may be listening to my podcast for the first time. Today, I have a message for you. It is titled The Battle for Our Affection. And this has been something that has been weighing on my heart for several weeks now. And I'm so glad that I can finally share this with you. So the primary passage for this message is found in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Let me read it in the New American Standard. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. The King James says, set your affection on the things above, not on the things of this earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And we ask today, Lord, that you would open up our minds that we would be able to hear your word and touch our hearts that they would be, it would be receptive to your word. And Lord, we ask that you that this word will bring forth fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. Lord, help me to be able to share this word in such a way that people will receive it and really understand it and examine their lives and their hearts to see where they can make changes and be more sensitive to your spirit. We ask, Lord God, that you would be more central in our life. And even now we repent of not putting you first, Lord God. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so the King James Version says, set your affection on the things above, not on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so one of the things the Lord has been showing me is that the enemy has really been attacking the church, especially the fivefold ministers in multiple formats. One hand, he's been attacking them with the spirit of distraction and that with every turn, there's been something that's coming against us. And in regards to whatever it is we're going through in our personal lives, whether it be good, bad, whether it's just our own thing that we're trying to do, or if it's, I mean, it can be anything that just will come up. Just, it could be anything that doesn't have to be necessarily a negative thing. And so the number one way is self-imposed. So self-imposed distractions. Like they're done, things that are done willingly or self-inflicted or deliberate. Um, we've been, you know, led away and enticed by our own lusts. You know, it says that we are susceptible to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the boastful pride of life. Right. And so these things have, we've taken our mind, we've chosen to take our mind and our hearts away from Christ. And so anytime there's something going on, we're We're really just kind of putting our mind and hearts on other things, but not the Lord. And so the second way that the spirit of distraction has been getting to us has been external factors. And those are things that we see on television. We're walking, you know, we're driving, 
we're, you know, at the gym or we're with friends and we're continually bombarded with things that we're, we're, that are, that we're really not, we're continually bombarded with things that's taken our minds and our hearts away from the Lord. And unfortunately, these things feed off of each other because when you have so many different battles coming your way, you have one thing over here you're trying to do, and then you're doing this over here. And then after you get done accomplishing this goal over here, you're looking for relief. And so in looking for relief, you know, you're looking, you're, you're, you're looking more for the things of the flesh, the carnal things of the carnal nature, rather than seeking God. And he wants us, he wants to be our refuge. He wants to be our secret place. He wants us to come to him. And, you know, it's really a heart posture because it's not like God is saying we can't enjoy the things in life. It's just that he wants to be first. We should be, he should be our first thought. He should be the one we think of first. Oh, I've got to pray first. Let me pray first before I do this. You know, let me seek the Lord first before I do that. You know, we need to make him central. And so because there's been so many things vying for our attention, we need to become more vigilant about cutting off the things that we can cut off, the things that we can change. We should try to change so we can seek his heart, seek his face and receive more from him. And when we're serving him, we need to serve him more with our whole heart. And it's apparent that many times we're serving him half-heartedly, you know, our, we're, it's not wholehearted and our hearts are not in it all the time. And we've done things in the past, uh, based upon routines, things that have been done in the past and the way other people have done things, whatever we bring forth has not been born of the spirit. So there's a couple of things I just wanted to read. This prophetic poem is infused throughout, but I will be reading the poem separate all by itself on another broadcast, but I'm going to continue to just to kind of read it through. So there's a battle for affection. There's a battle for our affection towards God, the father, and we must turn our hearts toward him. For many have lost their first love and turned to idols, the idols of comfort and pleasure, instead of letting go and letting God be our refuge. We must repent and turn our hearts back to him. We've placed our trust in the arm of flesh. We've walked in the way of sinners. We've put our money in purses with holes in it and spent money on things which are not bread. And so we need to consider our ways. We need to examine our hearts today to see and to know, you know, where are we putting our money? Where are we putting our time? Are we putting ourselves in the path of sinners? Are we putting ourselves in a places where we have no business being? And if we're in the ministry and we're supposed to be seeking the Lord, we should be putting ourselves in in a place of a posture of consecration where we can really, really seek the Lord and keep our minds stayed on him continually. I mean, even as we see in Acts chapter six, verse two through four, it says that 
They said, it is not reason that we serve tables and neglect the word of God, but that we should, we should give ourselves over to prayer and fasting, prayer and the reading of the word. That is where we should be putting our focus. And the mentality that they've had back in the early church was all about the vision, the the commission, the great commission. That has been the, that was the focus and to prepare and not waste time on things that are flesh and carnal. It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so we really need to ask God today to turn our hearts more toward him because it is a supernatural act. We need to do some things where we do it you manually, like we have to be deliberate on our own, but we also should be praying, asking God, Lord, take, you know, take my heart and make it so I'm seeking you more. Let, let draw me after you. Let, let us run together. And so he's showing me that the enemy's doing everything he can to thwart the plans of God and to thwart the ministries, the ministers, the fivefold, any way he can distract us, any way he can make sure that we're not reading the word, we're not in prayer, whatever it can be, it can be anything, anything, any good, even good things. I mean, it's just anything to keep us from spending time with the Lord. And so if our mind is divided and our hearts are divided against him, we're not really focused. And if we're, our eyes are off of Christ, and our message is polluted, we're not bringing forth a pure word that's going to convict the heart of the hearer. So we need to really begin to take stock in these things. We need to place our ear on the breast of Christ and hear his heartbeat. So we must turn back to him today. We have to turn back. We have to search for the highway of holiness. We have to become hungry again. We have to search him and seek him and find him. This is only the poor in spirit will reach him. Only the lowly and the humbly of heart, the contrite heart, he will not despise. And it's through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, so we must interpret these attacks properly and go through the tribulation leaning on the arm of God feeding on his faithfulness and not relying on fleshly or carnal means so it's how we go through these things how we go through this attacks how we go through these these temptations that we should lean on the arm of God not on the arm of flesh And so, you know, tribulation in the Greek means a place that's hemmed in, a place that is hemmed in, narrow. And then in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that through many tribulations, it behooves us to enter the kingdom of God. And I just really love that in the Berean literal Bible or the Berean literal translation. Um, I really like that version of it. Yeah. So moving along. So the Lord has also been showing me that 
the American church has had more of an entitled mentality. And so it's more like children vying for toys in a toy store and playing, you know, they're playing on a playground and um, he's pressed upon my heart that they're, you know, they're, they're just kind of looking for God to always make a way for them. And they've been looking more towards the idols of comfort and pleasure instead of God. And though he does have a plan for us, like it says, I know I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, plans for not for calamity to give you a future and hope. We still have to approach things in such a way where our heart posture is not about how it's going to benefit us, not how benefits us and how he will get the glory. We need to really focus on how he will get the glory from our lives. Not where it's more about what God can do for us and our plans and how he blesses our plans. And so if we take the the benchmark of, you know, what was going on in the early church and what was going on with Christ and the disciples, we see that everything is mainly in reverse. You know, the, the way we think about it is all about what he can do for us. But the way they were thinking about it is about what they can do for him. And they would love him. They bowed down to him. They gave up their lives even unto death. Um, they've given up their life savings. They have had all things in common. They have, you know, and then their mentality was, um, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. You know, they were pouring out, they were giving, they were, they were being a, a vessel of honor that God could pour into and pour out. And so even their, their affection being the things above they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Their, their minds and hearts were not on the things of this world. We're not on, there were not on earthly the things. And so, whereas for us, we're looking for God to roll out the red carpet for us. And, in, and, in, and it's in reverse, you know, everything we have here, we, it's, it's like in reverse, we're looking for him to roll out the red carpet for us. And it's like, we won't do this here. We won't do this there. We won't go here. We won't do this. We won't do this until these stipulations are put in place. And this is happening here. And we've got to have this here. We've got to have that there. And this is, otherwise I'm not going to do it. Otherwise I'm not going to go. And that's not the way, that's not the heart posture we should have. It should be humble and say, Lord, wherever you have me go, let me, I'll go. Lord, whatever you, wherever you want to place me, I know that there's a reason for it and that you're going to get glory from wherever you place me, however strange it seems, however odd it seems. And so continuing on, he's put out a call to us and he said, arise, come up higher, come to the marriage ceremony, come meet him, seek him while he may be found. But we've not hearkened to his voice. We've not listened to his voice. We've continued to play with our toys, distracted from his presence. Thereby, the startling reality is that the sinners 
and harlots are getting into the heaven before the children of light. They're getting into the kingdom faster. Those that appear less converted than we do because their desperation, there's more desperation in their heart for the Lord. God has gone to the highways and byways that his church may be full. He's no respecter of persons. He's convicting his children. He's chastening his sons that they may turn to him and be part of his end time army. But if they don't want to yield or lay aside their weights and sins, he he cannot force them to. So we must repent and turn and search for the highway of holiness. Search for that narrow way. We poured out our living into broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so, Lord, we just need to plead today, Lord, heal my backsliding, heal my backsliding. We must find the narrow way and search diligently for our king. We must repent and search for our first love, those who've lost their first love. Our hearts and our affection need to go back towards him. And so a beautiful depiction of this is the Shulamite with her beloved. And in, in this, you know, she searches for him in the streets. It's the Song of Solomon, chapter three, verse. So chapter three, verse one through four. On my, on my bed, night after night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him but did not find him. I must arise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I must seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I didn't find him. The watchmen who make rounds in the city found me, and I said, have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I left them when I found him whom my soul loves, and I held on to him and would not let him go until I brought him to my mother's house and then to the room of her who conceived me. And so I really like that. Um, there's another uh, translation in the message that it's really, really good too. So if you have time, try to read that one. But what she did was she arose and she went to the city. She was desperate. She went down the alleys. She went to the streets. She went, you know, all over looking for her beloved at her own risk, you know, risk. I mean, she was that desperate. And so the Lord is calling us today. He's calling us. He's putting out a call. He's in the garden of Eden saying, where are you? Where are you, my people? Turn, turn back to me. Come, come out from among them and be you separate and I will receive you. Once we abide in the vine, attach ourselves to him, cleave and be engrafted in the vine. Then we must deal severely with our sin and cut it off. Those things that bind us, those things that hinder us, cut off our sin and the weight which so easily besets us. Whatever it is, whatever it may be, we must deal severely with it. Pluck out our eye, cut off our leg, break off our arm, that which is causing us to sin, that which draws us away and entices us with our own lusts. We have to cut off the hook, which is fastened to our mouth. We have to sever the tie. We have to detach ourselves from that which holds our gaze, 
that which causes us to linger. So we need to remove the log from our own eye that we may see clearly before judging others. He says, turn back my people, leaders, distinguish between the holy and profane. Then and only then can you become my spokesman. For you've lost your distinction in me. You've lost your peculiarity in me, your uniqueness. Examine your heart, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Seek cleansing by the washing of the water of the word. Serve me with fastings and prayers. Kneel down. May your knees hit the altar. Lay prostrate before me, that place which is designated for holy ground. Put a guard around it. Guard it. Prepare the altar designated for holiness where your flesh comes to die. For your life is hidden with Christ in God And that life which you live, which now appears, is Christ's resurrection power living through me. Always ready to set the captives free. Always ready to dispense wisdom to save souls. Always ready to endure the fire and not be burned. Ready to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Set your affection on those things which are above. Let your words be few, your wisdom peaceable, your words filled with grace. And I will keep you in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed on me because you trust in me. Selah. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to his church. And so another thing the Lord has been show, was showing me was that this thing about affection is deeper than just squeezing God out of our everyday life. There's a part where when we're doing things for the Lord, ministry wise or other, that because all that we do should be done unto the Lord, um, we've been doing things that's been more mechanical you know, mechanical in nature and our hearts are far from his heart. We aren't really sensing what he's really thinking about right now, what he's really saying right now. You know, are we exploring and giving attention to what he's giving attention to at that moment? So we miss the mark. We miss God. We miss where his affection is at. And therefore our affection is not his affection. Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ, but do we? Do we really? In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, Then the Lord said, Because these people draw near with their words and honor me with their lips, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists by traditions learned by rote or traditions of men. So in conclusion, let's look at one more passage. We're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and on. And it's with the woman who wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. And so let me read it for you. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman, what sort of person this woman was who's touching him and that she is a sinner. And then Jesus said to him, Simon, meaning this is Simon the leper, not Simon Peter. I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. He said, a money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And then it goes on. I won't read the whole thing, but going down a little bit further, he's saying, do you see this woman? You know, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since I've come in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loves much, and he who is forgiven little loves little. You know, in turn, whoever is forgiven much loves much. And he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's what he says to the woman. And so we have not interpreted the things of God correctly. You know, that's one that was a, that was the next thing that he was showing me is that whether you're, you know, somebody who's been walking with the Lord for many years or just, you know, a few days, you know, we've not really, um, interpreted the things that are happening in the kingdom always correctly. We don't always know. We're not always perceiving, you know, correctly. So, you know, the first thing that came to his mind was, oh, you know, well, one of them said, this is a whole year's wages of perfume. This is wasteful. What is she doing with that? Like she could be using this for something else. And then it's like, well, she's a harlot. You know, what is she doing here? If she, if he was, if Christ was really a prophet, he would tell her to leave. He would, he would get her out of here. And, you know, Jesus, his perspective was completely different, just totally different. I mean, the way, the way he was interpreting the situation, the way he was, you know, sharing, you know, what was truly going on. And so, you know, we don't even see, we're not really perceiving, you know, why didn't one of the disciples think, um, you know, one of the ways that they could have interpreted things were, they could have said, I wonder why she's doing this to his feet. You know, is she, is, is Christ getting ready to go somewhere? Like, are we all going somewhere? I wonder why she's doing this with, you know, wiping his feet, you know, she's anointing him and everything, or, you know, what is she, is she trying to, you know, buy affection from him? Like, I mean, they, instead they, you know, they flipped it around and was just saying like, Christ didn't know, Christ should have known who was touching him. 
And this was really looking kind of crazy. You know, it was really looking kind of crazy, you know. And so, um, but being that Christ has been living the supernatural life, you know, healing the sick, raising the dead, I mean, they should have really thought twice about what this was really about. And so the Lord was just showing me that we have, uh, we need to examine ourselves and seek God. We need to seek God before casting judgment on others. You know, Jesus is like kneeling down and writing something in the sand. And he who is without sin is to cast the first stone. And the next time we do something for the Lord, we need to stop and say, you know, Lord, what is it that you really want us to do? Want me to do this moment? What is it that you really think I should be doing right now? You know, we need to pull the log out of our own eye so that we can see clearly before judging others, you know, we should be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling and really, really, really keeping our mouths closed and not judging our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we really don't know God's perspective on it. We just don't. And I remember in the book of Acts chapter five, it talked about, you know, Gamaliel, his you know, Gamaliel's advice, I think was to the Sanhedrin. He was saying that, you know, if this work is of God, you can't fight it. You can't overthrow it. But if it's not of God, it will fail. So you should just hold your peace and see what happens. And sometimes that's what we need to do with people. We just need to hold our peace and see what happens and know that if God is with them, he's going to, it's going to continue. It's not going to fail. And we have to put ourselves into a posture of prayer, a posture of prayer where we're bowing down and we're looking at our own hearts and examining it. And I wrote a poem back in 2020 called, is it me, Lord? Is it me? And it's, you know, it's about the heart's posture of sharing with the Lord, like, what is there something in me? Search me and know me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Is there something I've done to offend you? And then just repenting of that. And that, you know, my mind has not been on you. My affection has not been towards you. My mind has been totally, totally away from you. And I need to repent. I need to repent. And so we should just for now, we're going to we're going to wrap things up and we're just going to pray. Dear Lord, I, I thank you, Father, for this day. And we come to you in Jesus name, Lord God. We just ask that you cleanse us from all sin, Lord. We repent for not putting our affection on you, for not, re- for not seeking your face, for judging our fellow men, our father, fellow brothers and sisters improperly for judging them. Lord, we've misrepresented you. We've said things that we shouldn't have said. We followed after the traditions of men and things that other people have done, things that we've done in the past. We've done these things instead of coming to you first and asking you, is this what I should be doing? Is this what I, where you should have me put my, put my focus and Lord, remove the selfish desires, remove the lust for more, change our heart, Lord. We repent for not putting you first, for making you primary in our lives. We repent for our idolatry, our covetousness, 
our lustful carnal things, things which can't benefit us and don't bear any weight in the kingdom of God. Lord, we repent of these things right now. We ask for cleansing by the blood of Jesus. We ask for a clean slate that from this day forward, we would do things different. We would do things very, very different. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace in the light of his glory and Thank you so much for joining me today. I pray you were blessed by this word. Feel free to visit the website. The link is in the bio. And just remember this little tidbit, this little piece of manna. Spiritual things are slippery, so grab them while you can. I look forward to seeing you at the next broadcast. God bless you.